Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, young adults, come back to me. So many jokes, not enough time. I wonder if you have ever become so used to doing something that you've done it for so long that even if someone was to come to you and offer you a better way or a new way of doing it, that you can't even comprehend it because you've got so used to doing it a certain way that it's really hard to change it. Does that make sense? So like, the only example I can ever think about in this, and I've used it before uh, here, is I I remember when when I was uh, growing up uh, at home with mom and dad, they had this massive filing cabinet. And in this filing cabinet was every document that they'd ever had in their whole entire life. Does anyone remember these? Do you have one? People are like, what do you mean remember them? and they'd everything. And then I remember when, when the internet came out and it starts talking about cloud technology, I came to mom and I said, mom, you know what? You don't need to have one of these big filing cabinets. You can store everything in the cloud. And mom was like, which one? And I was like, no, no, it's not. And I tried to explain this to her. I was like, no, mom, it's not like a physical place, but Neil, it has to go somewhere. I was like, yeah, I know, but it's not quite like that. You can put it up there, you can do it. And no matter how much I tried to explain it, and I was struggling, Mom just was like, no, it's a, it's, there's a filing cabinet here. And do we post it to someone? I said, no, you don't post it to someone. And she just couldn't get her head around it. And I get it. And here's the thing, when we've been talking about the kingdom here, and if you're, you're new this morning, um, hey, you, you feel free to go back and listen to some of the talks, but we've been talking about something called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, I think it's become something in the church that has become a bit like my mom and cloud technology. And in fact, let me just say this up front. If if you're here today and you're exploring faith, maybe it's your first time in church, maybe you're watching online um, for the first time. Uh, This is actually a really good Sunday for you to be here because I'm going to spend most of my time talking to people who followed Jesus for a long time and you just get to look in and see what we've done wrong. Okay, so it's going to be really helpful um, for you. Because when, honestly, when we've come to the kingdom, for some of us, we've, we've followed Jesus for so long. We've gone to church so many times. We've been in so many different meetings that, that actually we just have got so used to following God in a certain way that it's actually hard to imagine and to think how we might ever do that differently. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I know it's kind of popular today to deconstruct everything That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about pulling apart the faith or or ripping up our Bible. Listen, what I'm saying is, as followers of Jesus, we need to re-look at the foundations that we stand on and ensure that what we are building is what Jesus intended. That's what we want to do. We We don't do it from a place of fear. We do it from a place of faith. Here's what we're here's what we're called to be. We are called to be a kingdom people called to be a kingdom people. And and again, you should have questions when that pops up on the screen. The first thing you you should ask is, well, well, what does that mean? That's what I ask. Uh, And then the second thing I would say is, well, and how is that different to what I'm doing today? How is that any different? 
How is that any different to what I'm doing today? And that's a good question. Uh, the truth is, any picture, any illustration, any human thing that we try and come up with to explain the kingdom of God always falls short. Because we're talking about something that is uh, without limit, without time, without understanding. If we could understand the kingdom of God, it wouldn't be the kingdom of God. It would be our kingdom. And so we try, I mean, even Jesus, when he talked about it, and Jesus fully understood the kingdom, he used multiple illustrations, parables and pictures to try and explain the kingdom. And so we listen to it and we think, well, was it a yeast? Treasure in a field? Mustard? Well, why is it? And Jesus like, yes. It's all of these. And so as we try and wrap our head around it, right, we, we try and understand what is it. One definition that we have of it, again, and this isn't even overly helpful, that the kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of God. It's helpful, but you're like, ah, I guess the best I can do today, and it will be limited as well, is to say this. The kingdom of God is when this earth looks in fullness the way that God had intended. And the kingdom of God is here in its fullness, and we know we don't experience that fully until Jesus returns. But the kingdom of God, what it looks like is when the earth looks like the way that God had intended it to look like. We get a picture of that in the Bible at the end of the Bible in a book called Revelation. We get a picture of what's called the new heaven and the new earth, the completion of all things. This is what it says. It's on the screen. It says, I heard a voice thunder from the throne and it said, look, look. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears are gone. Crying's gone. Pain's gone. All the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. And then he's saying to John, who's having this vision, write it down. Each word is dependable and accurate. So what does the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, it looks like complete freedom. It looks like complete peace. It looks like complete healing and it looks like complete joy. So to be a kingdom person, well, that means that we must devote every single second of our being to the king at the center of that kingdom. And then we must devote our whole lives to carrying out the things that he has called us to do within his kingdom on earth got to be devoted to him, right? So that means that if we are a kingdom carrier, that we should be a freedom dealer, that we're a peace broker, that we're a pain releaser and we're a joy bringer, right? That starts to scratch the surface. Freedom dealer, a peace broker, a pain releaser and a joy bringer. If you have a seatbelt, why don't you put it on? It is entirely possible to be a Christian and not be a kingdom carrier. It's entirely possible to be a churchgoer and not be a kingdom carrier. Do you know it's entirely possible to attend a small group and still not be a kingdom carrier? It's entirely possible to serve in a church and not be a kingdom carrier. It's entirely possible to lead a small group and not be a kingdom carrier. Do you get this? It's entirely possible to be the senior pastor of a church and not be a kingdom carrier. It's entirely possible. We must see the kingdom of God break into our everyday, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
That's what we ask, right? Last week, we uh, looked at um, a guy called John the Baptist. As we explained last week, it wasn't like John from the Baptist church. It was John, a guy who baptized people. Um, John the Baptist and then Jesus. And they came and they spoke this, this same message. It's going to pop up on the screen now. They both came saying this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And when John was arrested, then Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And, and last week, Trey unpacked just what that means, that word repent, especially if you're from Northern Ireland, you're getting already, you're getting shakes. But actually that means something way different than actually we have uh, thought it to mean. Uh, really, the, the other way that you could say it um, is the way that it's put in the message and that's gonna pop up on the screen now. It's change your life, God's kingdom is here. Repent means to change, to change the way that we think. Now, I want to be really honest with you this morning. I was sitting where you were last week listening to Trey teach this. Um, and maybe you're, you're sitting there this morning, you're looking, change your life, God's kingdom is here. And you're someone who's followed Jesus for years. And if I was sitting where you were sitting, and I was last week, do you know what I thought? I'm really glad he's teaching about that because there's some people in here need to hear it. There's some people that really need to hear that message. Good on you, Trey. If I was sitting where you were and I followed Jesus for any length of time, I would already dismissed this talk right now. And I would say it's good, but it's for someone else. I've followed Jesus now for longer than I haven't followed Jesus. I came to faith at 18 and um, and I, when I look at, at me at 18 and I look at me now as a young adult at 41, I am... Um, I, I am a way kinder person than I was when I was 18. I, 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 I go to way more church services than I did when I was 18. I pray for longer than I did when I was 18. I know the Bible more than I did when I was 18. I, I understand, I think, Jesus more. I, I've, I've done more stuff. And, and actually, when I look across the span of time that I have followed Jesus, I'm pretty pleased with myself. In fact, sometimes in my arrogance, here's what I do. I, I come to Jesus and I don't say it out loud because I know that's wrong, but in me, I'm thinking, God, I'm pretty sure I've done all that I can. And now it's up to you. It's up to you. I've done it. So come on. If there's more, you've got to move me. If I was sitting where you were sitting, I would think that this message is for someone else, someone who really needs it. Why don't you turn to that person now and say it's for you? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we think that, if you're like me, and you would dismiss this message because you think it's for someone else. Here's the thing, and this is really hard. Uh, that's actually a sign we're probably not someone who's carrying the kingdom in its fullness yet. Probably means we're not carrying the kingdom. Uh, you know, my arrogance, honestly, my arrogance on that stuff is going to stop me from walking into the fullness that Jesus has for me. I know God is more for me. I know it because I see what's in me now and it has to be more than that. But my arrogance will stop me from moving in. You know, when Jesus came preaching that message, he was actually preaching it to people like me. People who thought they had it all together. People who thought that they'd done pretty well. People who, they, they, they weren't perfect, of course they weren't. But they actually thought, we're, we're doing this pretty well. And then Jesus comes and he says, change your life. 
the kingdom is near. And that's what he's saying. He's, he's coming to me saying, hey, if you don't change the way that they're thinking, and there's a, this new reality coming, guys, and if you don't change the way you're thinking, you're going to miss it. And what I'm saying to you today are the same things. If we don't change the way that we think, we're going to miss the new reality that Jesus has for us. And again, how do we know there's a new reality coming? Because this one can't be it. There's too much pain in our world. There's too much brokenness in us. If this is the kingdom of God in its fullness, then we go, oh my goodness, someone sold us a dud ticket. That means there's more to come. That means that we need to change in order to move into that. It's really hard to hear, isn't it? Oh, let me make it worse. Um, <laughs> I had this, this idea. Imagine we, we had the conference the weekend. We had um, different guests come and speak and, and lead worship. And, and I kind of thought of it as imagine we invited Jesus you know, in person. And of course, Jesus was at our conference. He's always with us. But imagine he came in person and he was the, the, the guest speaker this morning. And let's say he, he flew in. I don't know how he gets here. Um, he um, flew in a few days early. <clears throat> and I'd say, oh, Jesus, so good to see you. Let me show you everything we've got. And I'd bring him onto this site. And I'd say, Jesus, we've got 10 acres of a site. And I'd bring him into this building. This is where we worship you. And, and here's our kids' rooms. They worship you too. And actually, we, we, we actually partner with local agencies. And we do great work in this. And, and they say, come see our Hope Center. And I'd take him over to the Hope Center. And here, here's where we help to feed people. Here's where we help with education. Here's where we do all those things. I'd take him down to the link log shed. And, and I'd show him all of the logs that we cut and all the stuff. I'd, I'd take him to see Dave dressed as whatever he was dressed as. And they say, this is what we do in schools, Dave. And then Lydia, I would say, come and with Lydia to schools. And would you show, show them everything that we do in schools? I take them down to our housing projects. And I say, Jesus, look what we do for people who need housing. And then I would say, Jesus, come on a hub walk. This is how we connect. And Jesus would go on the hub walk. Why don't you come to a small group? Jesus, we'll even let you share tonight if you want. And Jesus comes to our small group and he loves that small group. And it's all really good. Then I say, Jesus, but it's not about this. Come out to healing on the streets. Come and partner with some of our people as they go into work. And, and they're, they're praying for their colleagues and they're doing all of these things. Jesus, come and see all that we've done. And after I'd done all that, I, on the Sunday, Jesus stands up to speak. And as he stands up, I can't wait to hear him say, what a great job we've done. And then he opens up by saying, change your life. God's kingdom is near. And I jump up. Jesus, did you miss it? Did you not see all the activity? Did you not see all the stuff? Did you not see my WWJD bracelet? <laughs> Did you not see my screensaver at work that has a Bible verse so all my colleagues will know that I'm a Christian? Did you not see the fish in the back of my car? Is that still a thing? So, I saw an interesting one the other day. Actually, but anyway, Jesus, did you, did you not hear the stories? Did you not hear all the things that we did? And do you know what I think he might do? I think he might tell a story like this. Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and he prayed like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, not like robbers or crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid like this tax man. I fast twice a week, I tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands and daring to look up. He said, God, give mercy, forgive me a sinner. 
Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other one, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll be, become more than yourself. And just in case we missed it, here's the verse that precedes that story. Jesus told this next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Guys, there's a new reality coming. But we're going to miss it if we don't change our way of thinking. I want to be really clear. Here's what Jesus isn't saying and here's what I'm not saying. This isn't a rah, 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 we need to do more. We need to do more ministries, more small groups, more things, more compassion projects, more stuff. We just need to pack our weeks with more hours of doing all this stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying. And I don't think he's coming saying, stop it all. You need to just stop and just lie on the floor for a week. I don't think he's saying that either. I don't think he's saying either of those two things. In fact, actually what Jesus is probably saying and what he said to the people in those days actually had very little to do with their activities and actions, but a lot to do with their heart. Now, please, just let me put a caveat on that. If, if we're involved in actions and activities that are destructive, addictive, and are hurting us, I think he'd want us to stop those. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. But actually, I'm talking, I think most of the stuff that a lot of us are doing, they're good things, right? We're trying to do good things to, to be good people, to help people. That's what we're trying to do. And Jesus, with, even with the Pharisees, they were doing good things. But it wasn't the what as much as the why and the how, right? They were praying. That Jesus loved that they prayed, but he said, but don't do it so people would hear you. Do it so you connect with me. He wasn't annoyed that they were given money and tithing, but he was saying, don't do it publicly just so other people will honor you and think you're amazing. He wasn't saying what they were doing. He was like, this is good, but don't do it for that reason. And I think, I wonder if he'd say the same to us. What you're doing is lovely, but why are you doing it? What's going on? I, I, listen, guys, I, I know so many of us feel so full right now. Our, our lives feel full. We've come out of two years of just, it was weird. And, and it's just been hard to adjust, hasn't it, to whatever this life looks like. And I've talked to so many of you and you're like, I'm just so tired. Like even like things I used to do two years ago, I just can't do them anymore. I just don't know how I could fit it in. I don't know how I'd have the energy to do it. So please, 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 please don't hear me in any way telling you to do more. Okay. Please don't let guilt in. That's not what this is. This isn't more, more, more. The kingdom of God is not a productivity exercise that means that you squash everything in and do more. Do you know what? Jesus actually came and he said, hey, walk with me, work with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that wasn't Jesus saying. He said in the message translation, it says walk and work. It wasn't just, if you rest, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying, if you're a kingdom carrier, it doesn't have to feel heavy and ill-fitting. Right? So, so if we're kingdom carriers, if we're people who are truly walking with this, we've got two choices in this. Either Jesus was lying, and he got that bit wrong, 
or we haven't repented enough to walk in the freedom that he has for us. And I know he's not wrong. So it's got to be this. Boy, I've got work to do. I don't know about you. I've got work to do. Uh, let me take another go at this. Here's another definition of repentance. This is from a guy called Major Ian Thomas. He said it like this. Repentance means stepping out of independence back into dependence. And the measure of our repentance will be the measure of our dependence. Every area of our lives in which we have not learned to be truly dependent on God is an area of our lives which we have not yet repented. I'll say that again. Repentance means stepping out of independence back into dependence. The measure of our repentance is the measure of our dependence. So that means that every area of our lives where we have not learned to be truly dependent on God is an area in which we have not yet repented. Wow. <clears throat> I've got a lot of repenting to do. I don't know about you. I want to read you something. Um, uh, goodness, uh, like, like the whole world is feeling this, aren't they? I mean, we're all feeling the strain of this. I mean, what on the news this week, what EasyJet's really feeling it, aren't they? The, just the strain. And I'm sure in your workplace, or maybe you're not working right now, but, but, but everywhere we go, people are feeling the strain. And do you know what? Here at Cosa Coast Vineyard, our staff team are feeling this strain as well. It, um, so we, we understand what some of this is feeling like. I want to just tell you a couple of things that, that we've seen here that are both wonderful and really challenging. Um, between January and April uh, this year in our compassion um, stuff that we do, uh, we've seen a 40% increase of people coming needing help than we saw between September and December. 40%. That's massive. Uh, in numbers, it's really hard to quantify, but I'll tell you this. We gave out um, 24,600 meals in the last four months. And that's about 8,000 more than we saw in the four months prior to that. And that's not even what the 40% is about. We're talking about people coming to be part of our reset program, everything that's massive. And you know what? We're doing it with a compassion team that's actually smaller because just people are tired and they've wanted to move to new jobs and God's called them. And so our team are feeling that strain, right? You saw some of the Melanie's been hosting today. What a job Melanie does. But they're feeling the strain. Our kids team, I mean, you wouldn't think that Dave's under pressure when he ran in. <laughs> Do you know our kids, honestly, in the last two months, we now see on average 40 more kids come to Sunday services every week than we saw in March. And you know what? We have less volunteers. So I think this morning at 9.30, I don't know if it happened in this service, but we had to turn kids away. So we just, we couldn't look after them well enough. And I, am I, I, please hear me. This isn't a guilt thing. You need to get on a t-shirt and serve. Because you're full too, right? And goodness, of course, if we've got room, let, let's do it. I mean, I'm, I'm on team next week in kids, I think. I'm well up for that. But if you've got room, jump on. But if you don't, it's not a guilt thing. So I, all I'm trying to say is our, our team are feeling the strain. They're feeling it right across the board. And I've been feeling it. And so I decided, that Jan and I were chatting, I said, let's write them an email. And um, it's hard to gather us all in one place. And I just wanted to talk a bit about what was going on. So I, I, but I think it's for all of us. So can I read it to you? Um, so this is what I said to the team. I said, guys, I've been reflecting this week on all that we've been through over the past season. 
Like I said recently at the staff breakfast, we know it's been a tough one. And none of us have got it all right. And all of us on different levels are feeling tired for one reason or another, both in work and at home. I'm not trying to be negative. I know that there's been lots of great stuff too. I put an emoji. <laughs> um, when I'm in moments like this, all of my defense mechanisms come out. I try to make my world smaller. I desire simplicity, solitude, easy relationships, and no fuss. What's wrong with those I hear you ask? Well, nothing, sort of. None of those things are maybe bad in and of themselves, but I know my heart and I know the reason I desire them. Yesterday, I was feeling really tired. And my defensive plan for the evening was to come home, get into my trackies, it's my favorite outfit, eat and watch football. Then I remembered we had some people coming round for dinner and that it was Wednesday, so Wednesday worship was on. Now, I love Wednesday worship, but I rarely get to go due to my son's rugby training. But in all honesty, that night I was really struggling to motivate myself to come along. I just wanted to be on my own. However, I made the decision to ignore my feelings. And instead of defense, I decided I would come and bring all my tiredness to God and position myself in the best place that I could be. I'm so glad I did. Last night, I talked to someone who's been journeying us with us for a few years, but for the first time hasn't touched a drink in over a week and a half after um, a few years of, of being stuck on it. They told me they poured a drink last week and now have no desire to drink it. It sat there for three days in their house and the desire still hasn't returned. That same person is now nearly a month into that. I watched as four guys who are going through huge ups and downs knelt at the front worshiping Jesus incredibly loudly. <laughs> it was amazing. Someone who's been in my life for a long time unexpectedly came up, hugged me and thanked me for how I've always stuck by them. Amazing. I saw young people across the room worshiping Jesus with all their heart. I saw people of all ages streaming forward for prayer at the end. I saw people who I'd never seen before experiencing his presence. But more than all of that, I met with God. In the middle of it, God helped me realize that all the busyness, all the worry, all the tiredness that I've been feeling is valid. But it isn't the sum of the story he's weaving. Why am I telling you this? Because I want to encourage each of us in this season not to work harder, longer, smarter, or more intensely. You already do so much. But I do want to encourage each of us to push in for more of him. To turn up to the stuff we would rather avoid but we know is good for us. And allow God the space to meet with us, not just on our own, but together. Because there's just something that happens and unlocks in us when we do it with others. I did a nice conclusion, but I didn't think that was appropriate to share. <laughs> Goodness, I, I've watched as this church and I've watched as other churches have come out of the pandemic. And... I've watched it in culture too. And, and you know, one of the big things that I've watched us voting for is safety. We've been through a lot. Some of you more than others. And, and, and there's this kind of sense, isn't there, that, that we, we talked about this before, but there's this sense where we just don't know whether we can live freely or whether there's another crash that's going to come. 
whether that's global or whether that's just in our own lives. And so we kind of have walked into life a bit like this. And so we're choosing safety. We're choosing not to meet new people. We choose to meet the people we already know. We choose not to push ourselves into new environments. And I, listen, goodness, I get it. We've had to protect ourselves um, medically, right? Because of COVID. But, but the problem with all of that is we've now started to protect ourselves emotionally, spiritually. And some of that's okay, but guys, here's the real dangers. We're going to become numb. We're going to become numb to what God has for us and who he is. So we don't need to push in for more, but we do need to push in and find God in the more that we're doing. We need to choose what we might not want to. <laughs> and um, I'm going to give you a chance to do that now. Isn't that fun? <laughs> we want to respond in ministry. So the, the, the band are going to come and um, we're going to take some time to worship. And uh, in ministry, we, we respond in lots of different ways. We, we, you know, sometimes we get you to get prayer at the front, sometimes stay in your seat, sometimes to do different things. And I know that the, for most of us, this is the most uncomfortable part of the service. And, um, and what we're going to do today is I want to, we want to pray for every single person in this room who wants prayer. Um, and we're going to ask you to, to, to receive that prayer in a way that's not going to be comfortable. Isn't that exciting? I, I know some of you are already going, oh, is that the time I need to... I smell the chicken in the oven. And, um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to get our, our team to come. So if the team could come. And what we're going to do is we're going to form two lines. So there's going to be a line of people here and a line of people there, and they're going to uh, create a kind of tunnel. And what we're going to ask you to do, we're going to ask you in a minute to do this. Someone lock the doors. Um, um, we're going to ask you to get up from your seat and to walk through this tunnel, and people are going to pray for you. I'm going to explain just a few things about this now. Um, the goal in this, honestly, is not to have a reaction or anything happen to you, honestly, it's more just a display of hunger, yeah. of just saying, God, I, I, I'm willing to walk into the more. And as it's going, you're not even, you might not even hear what they're going to pray. The band are going to be um, playing worship. And, and, and if you're not uh, you know, going through the tunnel, you can just worship and sing away. At quarter, quarter two, we're going to close the service. Uh, we'll make sure everyone still gets prayer and we'll open tea and coffee and get your kids. But I want you to engage in worship if you've been through the tunnel. Um, and this is what's going to happen, right? And I know some of you straight away are like, no, <laughs> right? And some of you already, you've been coming here for a couple of weeks and you're still not sure if we're a real church or a cult. <laughs> and I get that this Sunday is not the best example <laughs> for you to think. <laughs> um, but we just want to meet Jesus. I remember a number of years ago when I was in that place of working out whether vineyard was real or a cult. And um, I uh, went to a vineyard conference and um, I, honestly, I was petrified. And the, the speaker actually did this thing. It was coming to ministry time and that's when my anxiety rose. And uh, I was like, oh. And then the speaker said this really strange thing. He said, um, I hadn't planned to do this today which is always worrying. And 
He said, but, but I think we need to do this. And the next thing he produced a 40-foot piece of blue cloth. And I went, hadn't planned, but yet you carry a 40-feet piece of blue cloth with you. And what happened is my cynicism kicked in. It's like, I'm not going up here. He's not honest. This is clearly not of God, and I won't be going. Uh, thankfully, I got over my cynicism. And I decided, you know what? And so this piece of cloth was stretched out and we all walked under it. I, I can't tell you if anything happened. I don't know. I, I think I did experience God. I wouldn't say it was a turning point in my life, but it was a moment of obedience. It was a moment of just going like, okay, God. And I think some of us today, you need to, uh, there's nothing magic about this tunnel, honestly. But I think there's a step of obedience that some of us might want to take and do this. Now, I've got a few practical things to do because I saw how long it took in 9.30. First thing is this. Actually, first thing we're going to do, you know if you're in a queue for the airport and then people whose flights go earliest get to jump the queue? So if you need to pick up kids at quarter two, you get to the front of the queue. Okay, so if you don't have kids, allow those people through. Uh, second practical thing, don't be Northern Irish about it. Okay, so you're like, I don't want to go first in case I steal all the blessing, right? <laughs> God's got lots, right? He is infinite. You can't steal blessing. So put that out of your mind straight away. Now, just practically, here's what's going to happen. As you walk through, um, so imagine it like this. Okay, imagine you're a bride walking up the aisle. So um, for some of you, hey, welcome. Um, so you're kind of going to move at this pace. You don't have to hold a bouquet, but this kind of speed, okay? Don't linger, okay? Or else we will remove you from it. Or if you want to think of it another way, um, those travelators at the airport, you know, you get on them and don't do the whole woo, right? You just walk through them normally. Okay, because we've got a lot of people. We will pray for everyone. We will, we will pray for everyone. Um, other thing, people will lay hands on you and they will pray. Okay, if you're someone who doesn't want people to lay hands on you, oh, what are we doing at 9.30? Oh yeah, we said you could, oh yeah, my goodness, sorry about this. Well, you can just do this, right? <laughs> no, I know, that's going to get me in trouble um, somewhere. But you just do that or you could try and squeeze... <laughs> squeeze through, I don't know, whatever way you want to do it, but, but that's, what's, that'll, that's what'll happen. Um, and um, I think that's it. Oh, 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 start there. Um, start there. So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Um, and um, the Holy Spirit's here, right? So what you're going to do, uh, so first people first, why don't you come? And then everyone else just keep worshiping and then we'll, we'll soft close at quarter two. You can get tea and coffee. So parents, um, why don't you come first? Because you're going to need to get prayer first. And uh, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you be with us? Would you fill us? Um, oh, and the camera's going to go through for you guys online just so you don't miss out because it's hard for you to do a tunnel at home. Um, so there... Come on online people. So guys, why don't you come? Don't be shy. Let's come. Let's come. Let's come. Let's come. So parents first, but, but honestly, everyone just start coming and making a way. Lord, would you come? Would you bless us? Keep moving. Yes, Lord. We just ask for more of your presence with us, God. We're desperate for you. We're desperate for more of you. So Lord, fill us and be with us, God. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. That's good.
Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.